Hi guys, and welcome to today's podcast, where I'm joined by the better looking half of the drink water. Well, not I know there's another brother there, but in the SEO industry, the better half of the drink water family, which is Mr. Phil Drinkwater, the brother of the infamous Andy. <laughs> so um Andy's that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Andy always goes under the bus. We have this uh love-hate relationship where we, we slam each other as often as we can. So <laughs> perfect for you to come on and me to throw him under the bus at that. But you are your very own man, Phil, and uh, we want to talk to you about what you do. Forget about Andy now. Um, so Phil is um, a UX. Well, we're going, to, we're going to be talking about UX, but he's got a lot more to his, uh, you know, his skill set. Um, so, Phil, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, what you do, and, and a bit about your background, can you tell us just roughly, you know, what you've done um, and, and what you're doing just now? Yeah, and so years ago, I used to be programming. I actually used to write computer games. Uh, so that was my original background. I have a computer science degree. I used to do a lot of graphics and 3D stuff and all that kind of stuff on PlayStation and things. Um, but we started a business, my brother and I, about 20 years ago now. And uh, I had to learn to program web stuff. And then we didn't know, well, we didn't have any traffic. So I needed to learn SEO. And this was in about 1999 when it was keyword density and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then about five years later, we we actually worked with an SEO company. He said, oh, do you know, um, there's this thing you can do called split testing where you can send one type of button color, for example, to, to one um, set of audience and another one to another. And you can try different wording out and stuff like that. I was like, this is amazing. This is going to make a, a real difference. Because obviously, you know, in the end, all that really matters is how much conversion you get. So you start here with this amount of, you know, people seeing you in Google, and then you lose people as you go along the website, and you convert this amount at the end. Well, you know, frankly, you know, you could. It's hard to go and get sometimes some extra traffic. Um, if you can make a big difference to your conversion rate, that can be a massive uh, bonus to a business. So that's kind of where I, I guess I've kind of come from. I do some kind of bits of design and things as well, and not not quite so much, but you know, certainly, you know, UX and and, and SEO are, are fascinating topics for me. Um, so you've obviously done that for. Uh, many years, obviously, um, you know, starting out in the very early days and uh, obviously built up a, a business and, and you've done, you know, probably thousands, um, if not tens of thousands of tests over that time, as you would do. And I'm sure, you know, things have evolved massively um, yeah. from the 2005 to, to 2020, uh, including uh, some of the software and stuff that you can do to help you make those decisions and that's something yeah. i want to talk to you um, quickly about before we go into you know a bit about the, the kind of ux and stuff so and um, for me as i said to you prior to coming on here there, there's certain guys out there who call themselves ux guys if you like and uh and i've questioned them you know i've had a beer with them and stuff and i'm like so you know Talk to me a bit about what you do and UX and all that. And, and listen, I have the massive amount of respect. I understand that user experience is vital. 
I'm not a creative guy. I'm not a guy that studies UX the same way that you guys do. But what I what I wanted to hear from this guy was like there was data behind the decisions and yep. not just because his his bro- cousin's brother said that red buttons are better. That that you know that's that was his next set of testing, if you like. So, yep. and I think for the general public. They see UX and they, they kind of understand it, but they don't. But I just want to dig a little bit deeper on what makes you make these decisions. What sort of test goes on? What sort of tools are you using? Is it heat maps? Is it the likes of VWO or, yeah. you know, whatever else? So I obviously don't give away your, your solid secrets, but just so <laughs> that the general public know that there is data behind it. There is. Um, and in fact, the the biggest issue, I think, in people that have maybe not done a lot of UX uh, is that they actually interpret the data wrong. So so first off, you know, the, the most important thing is that you if you're doing what we, I think we're calling a split test here, you mentioned uh, VWO, which is visual web optimizer. That's one of the tools that's been in the industry for a long time. Optimizely is probably the other one, which is you know very well known. Although Google have their own platform, Google Optimize, which is completely free and really actually very good. Um, so yeah, so in terms of data, you know, what you're really trying to find out is if I show this page or this change to you know 50% of my audience say, and you you know you show the original what's called the control to you know the remainder. How many conversions do you get on each of them? One of them, in theory, if it's a good change, will start to um, outperform the other one. Uh, but the but the what happens quite a lot is people misunderstand when we're talking about split testing how much data you really need. If you've got one test down here running at about a 3% conversion and another one running at 90% conversion, which will never happen, by the way, but <laughs> if you were to do it, well, this one would be really bad. <laughs> and you definitely should implement this one. Um, so if you've got a case like that, you might be able to get an answer with only 30 or 50 conversions for, you know, for each of them. Um, but that's not normally the case. What you're really working on is something that's much closer. Maybe there's a 10% shift or a or a 20% shift or something of that kind of order. And for that, to be able to confidently predict that you've got a winner, you need a lot more conversions. And the the common thing that I see, you know, within the industry is people say, oh, you know, I've got this win. And then you say, how many conversions did you get? And and what was the difference? And they say, oh, I've got a 3% conversion uh, improvement. And I did, you know, 70 conversions. And I'm like, I've done what I actually did what's called an AA test, um, which is testing no change. Mm-hmm. And I did that over 4,500 conversions. So not page views actual conversions and the software predicted about a three percent increase for one of the changes that was exactly the same as the other one so mm-hmm. split testing you need a, a good amount of traffic uh, to be able to be able to confidently predict what's really won or you need a test which is quite different in terms of its conversion so I always say to people, you know, don't go and test something like, you know, a couple of tweaks of words in, you know, in something. You need something that's going to really fundamentally change the way that the user is going to react. Um, so, for example, you know, um, I did a test about, I think this was about 10 years ago. We were actually doing a bit of affiliate and sending traffic to another site. And there was a very obvious piece of text, a little panel uh, in our uh, listings on our site. And it said, you know, um, 
go and click here to do XYZ action. Um, but and and that's just a very obvious request to go and do something. And I changed it to something, it was something like, you know, what's the question, you know, Q, what's the best way to use the next two minutes? Answer, go and, you know, uh, upload your thingy to here. Um, and that resulted in a 200 and something percent increase. Um, that was a, you know, a really big win for us at the, at the time. And I think it was at that point that I realized that, you know, UX is, is largely about psychology. It's about understanding how people's vision systems work, if nothing else, because the, the, the tiny, you know, amount that we're actually able to see, the, the rest of the stuff out here is just, it's somewhat imagined by our minds. So you really need to understand how it is that people, you know, uh, interact with websites before you can even go and think, well, should I have a button that's red or should I have a button that's green? Um, so there's a there's a, a lot of kind of complexity in in that. But coming back to the, the the data point, absolutely right. You know, it's really important that what comes out of this is something which is some data which proves something and mathematically proves it. It's not just I got a three percent uplift for you know fifty conversions or something like that. Yeah, because I would imagine uh, you know doing those kind of stupid little tests where you, where you're saying you're just tweaking a few things, it could come down to luck. You know, you know, just different people were buying you know differently next week or whatever, yeah. uh, and things like that where people will go oh, and they start making loads of changes based on yeah. that decision and it just doesn't work that well for the long term um, but you're also talking about psychology and uh, you know what people do when they're on the website is that where the kind of heat map kind of thing comes in um, is that something you also use in conjunction, conjunction with the testing um, you know I'm, I'm just curious to know that you know that um, like Hotjar is it something like Hotjar or, or is there better tools than that out there now that do this stuff because I'm not being ignorant by the way, I'm just not a UX guy. Yeah. I just give that to someone else. But yeah, I'm aware of Hotjar and I'm aware of what all this stuff is, but is Hotjar the kind of thing that is still currently being used? Hotjar's great. There's no issues with Hotjar. Um, and I, I particularly like the little kind of questions you can uh, pop into the sort of side of your screen. You know, a very simple question of, you know, did you find what you were looking for today? No. What was it you were looking for? You know, that can give you some uh, amazing, you know, data. Although, again, you need quite a lot of traffic because only a, f a small percentage of people actually fill them in. Um, Heat maps can be really useful. I'm keen on a scroll map. Uh, so to understand how far down a page people actually do get, that mm -hmm. tends to give you a bit of an indicator of, you know, whether someone's engaged with the content or not. Um, the way people view a website is, I always think they, they start off with, right, I'm on for maybe, I'm, I'm gonna give this 10 seconds of my time. And they need to understand in 10 seconds, might this, solve my problem whatever that happens to be today might it solve my problem and and after they've worked out whether it might solve their problem then they need to work out will it solve my problem and this is where you need very uh, what i call skimmable content so something that's very easy to look down and say right okay i'm pretty sure there's a heading just here which is now seems to suggest that's the area that I should be in. And and scroll maps can be really good in allowing you to understand, you know, how far people uh, really do get down pages. 
and and I think you know business owners you know we all care about our businesses but obviously someone coming on to your website for the first time they don't care at all they they have no emotional or any other investment in your business nothing whatsoever so I think they you know they're looking for a very clear specific answer so a scroll map you know or a heat map you know trying to understand you know where people maybe click can be can give you some kind of at least idea of of what it is that people do but but i'm quite keen on um, and hot jar does this um uh visitor recording so you can record you know the actual mouse movements exactly what you see people click on um people will uh, you know they'll follow things with their mouse when they're actually reading something mm -hmm. and you get a really good idea of what it is on the page that someone's particularly interested in so i'd say visitor recording you know it's more it's more costly in terms of time, but it probably gives you a better overall answer than say something like a, a heat map or a scroll map. Heat maps and scroll maps can be really good at giving you a vague idea, but when you really want to know, how are people using my website? What are they really doing? Are they just scrolling backwards and forwards and just, is their eye never landing anywhere at all? You know, and then they bounce off, you know, that can give you a lot more effective data. Yeah. So let's say hypothetically um, someone comes to you, hires you to do this stuff. Uh, you know, they've just got a run of the mill website. It's getting decent traffic, but of course they want you to, to fine tune that. Yeah. Um, so are you have are you having to actually sit and watch all of this stuff yourself? Or is there something out there? Because you're talking about, you know, recordings of of what customers are doing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, like, do you physically sit and have to watch this stuff? Is that why it takes so long? Yeah. Um, or is, is, is it a quicker way of doing this? Because that seems hellish. It does, but you know the the great thing is you can learn a lot from just watching twenty visitors. You know, even six visitors can tell you a lot about what's really going wrong on your website. If you think about it, you know. Um, how perfect do you want a page to be? If you want a page to be 99% perfect, you're gonna have to get a lot of data. But mm -hmm. to get to maybe 80%, you'll find that six people will all demonstrate the same overall uh, behaviors on a website, you know, or 10 or 12 or 20 or something like that. And um, so I would say, trying to understand you know if obviously we do a lot of seo as well and you have to think about search intent and and saying you know well if someone's searching for i don't know dog walking what do they really mean and and how can i you know how can i match that you know from a uh, from the pages perspective going and having a look at you know even 20 people physically using that website and seeing what it is that they're interested in you know what you know what sections they seem to be reading you know what messages they seem to be reading or maybe if they're just scrolling up and down and then bouncing off that will give you a lot of data to go after but the starting point with all of this really has to be users and um, business owners are particularly bad at you know being objective about their own websites like yeah. you know your baby it's like i've worked so hard on this i love it you know i work so hard on it and they don't want to change anything you know they're like i know this is definitely right um but you know visitors you know they, they don't care about that so the starting point really has to be some kind of visitor data some kind of visitor information whether that's a hot job poll or whether it's something from recordings or 
I like to get new users physically in front of a website and watch them use the website, maybe ask them a few targeted questions. I don't want to break their flow too much, but I want to understand what's in their mind when they're doing something. Now, you don't get that from a recording. You have to infer it somewhat. But the goal with all of this is to try and generate some kind of hypothesis. People are, for example, a hypothesis might be uh, people believe your website should be X, but it's actually Y. So fundamentally, they, they think your website is something other than what it is. And that might then be a case of like, well, we need to have a really good kind of clarifying message at the top to say, we do this, this is exactly what we do. If that comes out of you know some visitor sessions, um, then you know or recorded sessions or whatever it is, then you can go and say, right, okay, let's go and work out how we can go and test and see whether some changes can go and improve that. And and as I say, you know, for for me, you know, trying to get a, a, a page to ninety nine percent perfection, um, maybe that you would look at that at the very very highest you know enterprise level that you know if you've got you know, literally billions of pounds in the bank, but you can do a lot. You can get a page to you know eighty percent effectiveness with you know just a few uh, users and um, you know a few hypotheses and and, and a few tests. Uh, interesting. I want you to touch on. Uh, one thing and then I'm going to go back so you you identify this website and it's you know it needs some stuff changed the messages are not right and you know maybe the structure's not quite right is that yeah. something you do as a, I'm assuming it's something you do as a service you can do the whole lot you don't have to you're not just reporting to a guy saying go away to your developer and get this stuff sorted that's something you can do hands on in terms of change making changes to website yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, so the tools will allow you to uh, to go and make small and large changes to websites. So at some point, you have to get a developer involved, but you can literally reskin an entire website with um, some JavaScript. So the likes of you know VWO and stuff will allow you to execute a piece of JavaScript when you know a certain set of users say you know split test of two. You know you're doing an AB. You know when when they come onto the B, you can literally execute a piece of JavaScript and completely change the look of the site or the form of the site or anything you want to. So um, if we're talking smaller changes, just a bit of text or something like that, then that's relatively easy to do with you know something like Google Optimize or you know something you know VWO or any of those other tools. But you can literally completely change a website at some level you have to get the developers involved for example you might need to say well you know if we're adding some data onto the page then the page needs to be available to one test but not available to the other so yeah. it needs to be somewhat hidden in the uh, in the html and then a piece of javascript add that in or you know th those kinds of things yeah um, but yeah i mean you can do enormous tests you know in terms of you know huge changes of literally the entire look of the website if you want to yeah no interesting now i want to go back to something you said there um you know you're going to have web owners probably someone like me who absolutely loves their website even though it probably looks like a piece of crap <laughs> uh, you know and uh, you know you love your website what do you do like is there certain customers you just simply can't work with if a guy says like listen phil I get what you're saying, but that stain, that that I don't care what you say. <laughs> that picture of me, for example, on my homepage, you might see Craig, everyone's scrolling away when they're looking at your ugly mug. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I'll be like, to Phil, you're on to plums like that. You know, I love myself and I'm staying there. I'm not changing that. 
you know, to help with what you're saying, is there a point where you just say to guys, listen, guys, I can't work with you. You're not prepared to listen to these changes. Or how do you deal with that? Like, you know, other guys like that out there? Because I know there, there, there has to be guys out there that are saying, like, you, you know, you're not doing your job properly. Uh, you know, they're, you're, they're going to tie your hands behind your back in terms of demands and stuff like that. And how do you deal with that? Like, how do you overcome that? I mean, there's only so much you can do to change someone's mindset. If they if they have a very kind of, I suppose you could call it ego, uh, you know, point about their their uh, their website, then you know that's fine and that's their choice. Um, as a person, you know, as I say, I have a programming background, and I I guess I take things from a very analytical point of view, and I'm only interested in the conversions at the end. So whether you're getting more conversions from uh, SEO and more traffic, or you know, an improved you know um, search intent, or larger you know amount of people taking particular actions on your website my goal is to try and you know make someone more money that's really what i'm there to do now if they're there to effectively stroke an ego or something then i don't know you know at some point there has to be uh, a decision made Look, which one do they want do they want more money or do they want to have their you know, a picture of them on the um, on their website. But there's normally, I would say with most businesses, there's probably some level that they won't go to. And I mm. think that's fine as well. So like someone might say, look, we've had our logo for 20 years and, and the market knows our logo and I understand it doesn't look that great, but it, you know, the market knows. Um, I think the, you know, if people were to knock back every idea that you know that came out i think that would be very difficult at that point mm -hmm. um but you know certain types of site i think are also probably a little bit easier you know to work with like e-commerce and stuff um you have a very very clear path through the site and it's and it's and it's probably a little less emotive for people a bit less emotional um sometimes i mean if you had someone who i don't know you had someone that was a coach or something you know it's them they're selling and 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 it might be that you know even though the data would suggest that you know there might be a you know shift that they could make they might go Do you know that's just not me anymore um so i think you, you have to you have to work with people to kind of a reasonable level and say you know well do you know what um that you're not comfortable going past that will not go past that um, yeah. but we've got to be able to do something um so get back to you know just a general customer um you know someone comes to you and, and we all know that you know most website conversion rates will always be fairly low anyway just yeah. the, the volume of traffic I'd be curious to know just I, I know you can't give an answer it's going to be it depends on the website but what kind of jump does someone expect when they hire a guy like you? Is it is it two percent? Is it five percent? Like, what's the industry standards of jumping conversions after hiring a guy like you to do testing for like six months, something like that? Um, you know, what what jump are we expecting? I mean, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah, we hear that a lot, don't we? Um... I'd say, you know, within a relatively small amount of time, I could probably give a, a, an idea. But, you know, most sites, I'd be surprised if you couldn't get maybe an extra 50% out of. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's probably that kind of order for an average site. Uh, 
if a site hasn't been updated for a long time, as in if it's, you know, looks like it's seven or eight years old, you know, my view at that point is that you start to lose trust with the users immediately. They come on your page and they go, I don't trust this site. It looks too old and, and old fashioned. Um, and, you know, they'll immediately bounce off. At that point, a whole, you know, site redesign might give you, you know, like a 200% uplift or something. But if people have been working on the site, you know, more recently, I'd say, you know, something like a 50% a improvement might well be possible. But, you know, I think it's also key to understand, you know, how, what are the metrics that people really want to focus on? So um, th this is something that should always really happen at the start. So are we looking to increase, if it's an e-commerce site, the average order value? Are we looking to um, promote products which are, you know, have more profit? Are we looking to, um, you know, uh, have the most expensive products, you know, there? Are we trying to, you know, promote upsells? You know, what what are we really trying to achieve? Is it dollars at the end or is it conversion? Sorry, is it, you know, leads or, you know, what is it we're really trying to achieve? And, um, and I think that's where it, you know, can be quite, tricky really for you know for ux people i think it's really important to understand the business that you're working with and what really makes them money and i think this is one of the key things that people often miss they they'll just say oh you know our, my goal is to increase leads for you um well actually you can increase leads but lower the quality of them and yeah. then someone's just spending you know an amount of time sending e you know proposals back that aren't even relevant so at the back end, really, what you're trying to achieve is normally more profit for the business. That's what you're really wanting to get to. So, you know, a question really should be, well, what drives profit for you? What mm -hmm. gets you the most profit? I think that's really important to understand. Um, no, that makes total sense. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about the profit for anyone. I, I think you could basically call them a liar if they said otherwise. Um, what businesses are there for? But obviously, you you've seen these websites, and you, you know you're now doing more and more of them. I know you previously done it for uh, your own business, you know, thousands of tests. Yeah. But what I want to try and understand is, you are seeing a lot of websites out there. Can you give us like even the top three things that you see that are common across loads of websites? I know one yeah. of them would probably be copyright 2017 or something at the bottom of someone's <laughs> website which then goes back to you saying you potentially lose trust is there like a top three things that you see in everyone's website that they can go and change today on their own website to to help things what can, just even, even if it's two one whatever just give us a couple it'll probably be a little more than than three to be honest so the, the key ones the key things that's always missing from a website is a very, very clear message of what they do. It's amazing, you know, the amount of websites you go onto and they're just not clear fundamentally what they do. So someone comes onto their website and, you know, there'll be lots of text and, you know, maybe some images and stuff. And what's missing is just, we do this. Well, you wouldn't literally say the we do, but, you know, this is what we are. This is what we do. Um, second to that, I'd say some kind of value proposition. So something that says like, well, we're delivering, yes, we do this, but we're delivering you value because of this. 
Um, and especially that's important to differentiate yourself from, you know, your competition. If someone, you know, goes back and starts having a look at, you know, the alternatives, um, you want to stand out at least to a portion of the audience is like, well, that one said they did something that seemed very relevant to me. Um, I also think that, you know, a very, very common thing for people who've maybe built their own websites is um, uh, poor headings uh, and also very long line lengths of text. You, you know, in the um, uh, visual design world, typically, you know, you would suggest that lines of maybe 13 words or something like that is a, is a good average. But you'll see these, you know, these 20 or 30 word long lines that people just don't read. They just won't read that at all. Um, and yeah, coming back to the headings point, you know, trying to make some text nice and skimmable. And just so if someone comes on and they've got a very specific question, maybe it's a blog post, for example, you want to make sure that they can get to that. And something that's quite common with copywriters is using what I tend to call follow-on headings. So um, they'll have some text here and then they'll they'll say something like, but why, question mark, and then they'll follow it on, because they're assuming that everyone will read every word, and that's just not how people view websites at all. People view websites by spotting words or phrases that they think are relevant to, to their journey. So yeah. having a really good set of headlines, keeping your line length short, having a very, very clear message at the top of what that pages are all about and you know some kind of value proposition what you're going to deliver to them so if it's a blog post like a page lead um which you know might be a larger you know larger font or something like that and some just it's there to try and keep someone on that page so there's some of the things i see very very commonly interesting so guys some nice tips there that you can do before you go and hire a guy like phil to to come in and do all this stuff, you know, get the basics done right. And I think, as you see, a lot of it's common sense. Cut the crap out of your, your content, the waffle, if you like, and just, you know, people just want to the point uh, stuff on there. Um, so those those are some excellent tips. Um, now, I just want to touch on one last area, um, and then we will wrap up. So obviously you've got your UX, you've got your content, your 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 you know all of that stuff. Where does like pop ups and stuff like that come into UX? Um, I want to talk a bit about that because it's obviously a weakness I've got in my website. So I've got opt in monster, and yeah. I'm getting a few things done to my website just now by my web guy. Um, you know, better buttons and and just cleaning up some general stuff, and then I'm going to come in with some nice pop ups because obviously the goal for me is to generate email captures, build my email list and all that kind of stuff. And that's something I don't actually have on my website at the moment. I used mm -hmm. to have it at the top right-hand sidebar. Um, but <coughs> these all come into user experience as well because I've always been scared to use pop-ups, Phil. And um, the reason being is I don't want to irritate people when they come on my website. Um, and you're going to say, well, pop-ups are quite editable uh, and that's why i want to to touch on this with you like just an idea of what is good and what's not and when should you implement a pop-up you know because guys have got pop-ups that hit you you know five mm -hmm. seconds after you land on a website you're like fuck me you know and sometimes it's hard to find that x to shut it down and you're just like Oof. away away you go and uh, you leave the website so um you know for me it's all about email capture you know i've given a lot of 
informational stuff in my blog, you know, just different blog posts about different SEO things. Um, where and what kind of pop-ups are working really well at the moment? Because I've got the option of, you know, it just pops up in the middle of the screen. Mm. You know, it can come in from the right-hand side. You know, throughout your testing, what would be the best thing for me to implement as such when it comes to pop-ups? It's a really good question, and I don't think there's a, a there's a certain answer. It depends on the um, the page, you know, you know whether a user knows you even, you know, whether they're com coming back, you know, and it depends. So it depends quite a lot on your particular traffic. Um, I would say most definitely, you know, you highlight you know, the people, you know, they come onto a website and immediately there's, there's this kind of pop up and it's like, I haven't even had a look at the page. I don't even know whether you're, I'm interested in you as, as a business yet. So certainly, you know, I would say don't show um, pop ups immediately. So it might be depending on your site, you might want to on a blog post, if someone scrolled down, 50% of the way, then, you know, they're probably kind of interested. Or you could use a timer and you could say, look, if someone's been on that blog post for, I don't know, three minutes or something like that, it shows that they're interested in my in my content. Um, the most important thing is just not to stop the initial period where someone starts to build some belief and trust and interest in your content. Uh, you need to get them past that over that hurdle, then then you can start thinking about, you know, something like pop-ups. So it might be if someone looks on a second page or as I say, a timer or something. The, the problem is you're always trying to find a balance between I want their email address and I don't want to, you know, create a massive bounce, you know, rate from my, uh, from my site. Most of the pop-ups that work at the moment, I, uh, you know, they, they tend to be quite large. They'll often take up, you know, the entire uh, page. You could consider a smaller pop-up, uh, something which is, you know, bottom right. I don't see that, you know, very much, but that would be interesting to to kind of try. But I think the pop-up industry is quite um, new, really. I don't think it's been around for, for long enough for people to, you know, have tried a million different approaches and found out really quite what works. But I think the most important thing for me is just to make sure that you don't you allow people that time to get used to your site and the and the content before you start asking them for something which is quite personal really yeah. uh, you know your email address is quite a personal thing they've got to build some trust um one thing you could do is maybe have you know some trust signals on the website early days you know at the top um you know, I've got 10,000 subscribers and I send, you know, something out, you know, every three weeks or whatever, then someone's not, not, to, not going to think they're getting bombarded with something, you know, but but then it comes down to, again, you, your users and, and who are they and, you know, and what are their problems. You could even just go out and ask a few people. Um, there, there are... Um, a uh, piece of software that you can run, uh, usertesting.com, I think is one, if I remember rightly, uh, off the top of my head, uh, where you can get people to use your website and you can give them, you know, uh, things that you want to understand from that. Um, and if you think about things from the user's perspective, you can, you know, hire these people effectively for, you know, not too much money and get them to have a look at the, um, uh, at your website and how, you know, the whole journey really is it comes, someone comes in from, from Google, for example. Yeah, no, it makes sense. As I say, it's always just been a case of not wanting to scare people away right away. Mm. I'm clever enough not to do that. It's just where else do you go? But I guess it's just a case of testing different options, yeah. which I will do. So I appreciate the 
the feedback on that. Uh, one last thing, actually, and I know I said that the last time, um, but I'm going to ask you to see if you, because obviously you've got a YouTube channel um, that's fairly new. Now, obviously, so many people watch my YouTube channel. You know, I get hundreds of thousands of watches per month. I get, so you know, watch time. I get everything. One thing that people don't do is subscribe. That mm. much, you know, 90% of people don't subscribe. Mm. What is there anything like have you come across a website out there that forces people to subscribe or subtly makes them subscribe on their website? Because you know, that's something I'm thinking of implementing maybe in my you know homepage or something on my website is sending them to that YouTube subscribe button, like check me out on YouTube or hear some I hope you know 300 plus free tutorials or whatever is that something you've ever seen work that effectively in your UX experience um I, I guess again you have to think of it from the user's point of view what's what value are you delivering to someone they have to know that it's worth their time um I like to think of you know people as having a certain amount of mental dollars to spend every day so you might start the day with you know 500 you know you you know you you throughout the day you've got less and less you know available so you know to to the point where at the end of the day you know you're kind of knackered and you've got you know nothing left to give um so if you if you have something of value that someone's kind of going right okay you know it is worth spending some of my mental dollars on that um then they will tend to take action um if you don't have something of you know that's that's really of value and and meets some kind of need or you know psychological need or desire in them then you know then you're probably not going to do much and it goes back to this you know earlier example that i gave of you know one one message you know was oh you know just go and do this and the other message was what's the best way to use the next two minutes you know answer you know you know go and upload for, to, to here um it met someone's need and the reason it met someone's need is it talked about two minutes they wanted to you know everything to be as fast as possible it wasn't for, for them on you know on their particular journey you know they were looking for something that was that was going to be quick and that's why it worked so yeah. i think understanding you know what it is what do your users want or need you know i i don't know your user base but presumably you know you have a lot of business owners and a lot of other seos and things what do they really need um what will convince them that they have to take some uh, some action and and use some of them their virtual mental dollars um yeah. so it it's purely based on uh very individual users and user types it's, it's impossible to generalize that kind of stuff yeah now i'm going to i'm going to try i'm going to have a play with it though because for me a lot of the users on my website are looking for more information free tutorials and stuff you know out of the thousands of people that hit my website per day I might get five people who actually are really interested in me and maybe potentially, you know, using consulting with me or training or, or, or anything else. The rest of it is informational. And, uh, and as I say, I think she's trying to build that YouTube thing up as uh, as you are, are going to be trying to do as well. Yeah, um, I've got and one on mine at the moment. So, you know, as many of yours want to come over would be great. Yeah, so no, guys. Um, so be before we do wrap up, uh, Phil is on YouTube, and 
will be delivering knowledge on his YouTube channel. And obviously, if you like what he said, the link to Phil's YouTube channel will be below. And go over, give him a, a like, a subscribe, and and take his knowledge. You know, it's all free um, that, that goes out on YouTube. And, of course, I'm pretty sure anyone watching will say, you know, you talk a lot of sense. There's a lot of, you know, common sense behind your approach to UX and, and obviously data and stuff like that. So um, I think people will be more interested um, and, 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 you know, hearing more from you. But if people can't be bothered going to YouTube and they're lazy, like, you know, a lot of us are on, on the internet, where else can we get a hold of you, Phil? So I'm quite active on Twitter. Uh, I'm Phil uh, Phil underscore Drinkwater on Twitter. Um, on my website, phildrinkwater.com. Uh, so it's just as it sounds. I've said that a few times. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so those are probably the two platforms. I'm also on LinkedIn. I really must get around to doing more on LinkedIn over the next year. So if you're a LinkedIn you know, user, feel free to connect as well. You know, you should find me fairly easily. Again, Phil Drinkwater. Um, YouTube, by the way, you know, if people would like a uh, a free audit of their website, you know, they can get one of those. So um, get onto my YouTube channel, comment, uh, you know, on one of the previous audits, and and give me the name of you know your uh, your particular website, and I'll take a look and uh, I'll I'll do you an audit video. Free audit, guys. Take advantage. You might regret saying that, though, Phil. I might. Um, I do have a list. <laughs> So if there's a lot of these, then, you know, it might be a year, but, you know, get get in there and it'll happen. I've got one final little question for you. Um, obviously, you're part of the, the famous Drinkwater family. Why do you guys not work together? Would you kill each other? Like, I've just, I'm just curious, like, and I've not asked, actually asked Andy this, uh, but I, I, I was like, why is Andy never really said, like, I've got a brother, Phil, who does this. Now, I know that you had some other type of business, He's yeah. not like he was disowning his brothers, but he never said like his brother knew SEO and stuff like that. Um, and I was just curious, like, why do you guys not just team up and and you know dominate the world? I don't know, really. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess we're at slightly different stages. Um, you know, he's uh, he's done really well the last you know five years, uh, ten years, whatever it is, um, uh, with you know his business and stuff. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm massively pleased for him on that. Um, I think we probably have a, a mildly different approach to certain things, um, but you know, that's not to say one's better than the other. I think they're just mildly different. Um, would we kill each other? That's a really good question. Um, it's possible. It is possible. <laughs> we get on massively well. <laughs> like we do get on massively well, and we speak very, very regularly. Um, but you know. I don't know. You know, we we probably have our own views, um, and uh, and I, and I think when it comes to things like you know, UX, for example, um, you know, I, I would say you know that's a, certainly an area that you know I want to focus you know more on over time. You know, SEO is great, and I love SEO to death. Um, but you know, I did a, a, a blog post recently on um, uh, what I'm calling psychological search intent on my website, and uh, you know, so I I definitely take things from a you know a, a user journey and psychological perspective um, a fair amount of the time these days. Yeah, no, I think um, you know, a lot of people would advise never work with one of your relatives or, or family, and yeah. I think there's probably a lot to be said. Oh. For that. 
Sorry about that. That's oh, my reminder for my next call. <laughs> um, but no, I was just curious to know um, for that. But um, on that note, guys, all of Phil's links are below. Reach out to him, get the free site audit, follow him on, uh, or sorry, free UX audit, uh, follow him on YouTube. And uh, yeah, good luck with the YouTube channel, Phil. Hope thank it all you. grows well. And uh, thank you very much for coming on and sharing some tips. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries. Take it easy. Cheers. Thanks a lot.